At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal, season four. Hi everybody, and welcome back to the dark paranormal, season four. Firstly, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who reached out with feedback regarding last week's episode premiere, The Devil made me do it. A lot of you sung the praises of Ed and Lorraine Warren and put forward more of their cases for me to potentially look at in this season of The Dark Paranormal. However, a lot of you did say that although you enjoyed the episode, you don't really want to hear any more Ed and Lorraine stories. Now, I can't guarantee that, but one thing it does show is their reputation for being the most controversial couple in the paranormal world still seems to be going strong, and that must count for something. So, what are we going to look at today, on episode 2 of season 4? Well, today is a really interesting one for me personally. I absolutely love this type of true paranormal experience that you're about to hear. Because today, we see what happens when a scientific and rational mind has a head-on collision with the dark paranormal. As believers, we'll all have those friends or family members who give no credence at all to anything paranormal. And in a slightly schadenfreuden way, we'll have all wished that they would experience something that would terrify them. I know I have. Something that would make them believe for even one minute that all of this is possible, or at the very least, something which will make them question, have I been too quick to dismiss the world of the paranormal? But before we get to today's true paranormal experience, I need to say a big thank you to our new supporters, people who've either signed up through Patreon, 
where they will get an extra show each and every week, a little show I call Dark Bites, a Patreon-exclusive show that runs every week of the year, even in between seasons, or people who've also gone and bought the show a coffee. And those people are Brooke, Jody Resch, Tracy, Myra, Ryan Challen, and Christina. Thank you. Your support literally allows the show to continue. And don't forget, listeners, if you'd like to support the show, you can head over to our Patreon site at patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. There, not only will you receive these episodes before everybody else, you also receive that extra show, Dark Bites, each and every week, even in the downtime between seasons. That's patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Now, as you know, season four, we are going to look at the more famous cases, cases which may have made news headlines or cases you may be aware of that we will just put a dark paranormal spin on and hopefully you may get something extra that you didn't know about the case already. However, today is slightly different. This is a relatively new case. By relatively new, I mean within the last 10 years. However, to my knowledge, it's not yet been turned into a feature film or a book. It has featured on Paranormal Witness in the States. However, it is a bone-chilling account of what happens when you're literally in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is the haunting of Bill Vale. I'm doing the right thing. This is definitely the right thing, thought Bill as he drove down the empty freeway in the early hours of the morning. His car was laden, the trunk and the back seat filled with boxes of clothes, books, his life. He actually sighed when he packed the car that evening, He didn't know how everything he'd garnered in life up until that point could actually fit in a car. Everything. A few years ago, he had the house, the wife, the job. A perfect job. For Bill, anyway. He was always something of a pragmatist. So working in aerospace robotics for NASA was as good as it gets especially for someone with his rational, straightforward mindset. The idea of using his brain to solve problems excited him. The idea of a nine-to-five office job terrified him. However, as good as the job was, he still handed his notice in yesterday. Ever since his wife left, nothing had felt the same. Every daily routine now punched a sickening blow to his stomach. Each basic task felt painted in the glow of his past, his happier life. And so, Bill decided on a fresh start. He packed what he had into that car and he headed back home to his hometown of Arlington, where at least he had family. The rain bounced off the windshield and danced in front of the headlights. I'm doing the right thing, he said. I'm doing the right thing. Well, it ain't rocket science. 
Bob smiled and winked at Bill, hoping he'd get the NASA reference. Bill did, and he just shook his head. But it's work. Plus, we'll be working together, and we ain't done that since we were kids. Bob worked in a water treatment company, and an opening had just come up in his department. Yes, it may not have been as rewarding as working for NASA, but right now, it was just what Bill needed. Nothing too stressful, something to allow him to find his feet. So, he applied, sailed through the interview, and started that very week. One Saturday, around 3pm, the two brothers were clearing up for the day and were about to head home, when Bill heard a phone ring in the office. Bob ran through and answered. He scribbled down an address on a notepad and then said, Why? to the caller and pulled a confused face at Bill. Well, okay, fine, bye, he said, hanging up. Hey, he looked at Bill. Dispatch just rang through with a job. He handed Bill the address. Do you think you can handle this one alone? It's just a show and tell. I need to meet someone in an hour, said Bob. Occasionally, they would be asked by dispatch to go out and show a customer how to use their purification apparatus. A show and tell only takes five minutes, said Bill. Couldn't you do it before your meeting? No, no, see that's the weird thing, said Bob. They said the customer wants us to be there at 5pm on the dot. No later, no sooner. Great, so what am I meant to do in the meantime? asked Bill. Bob just shrugged. He smiled, put on his jacket and said, I owe you one, my brother, and walked out the door. Bill killed some time driving around the suburb. It was a nice area. White picket fences, well-kept gardens. He'd pulled up down the street from where the house was to read a newspaper. But a neighbour kept peeking through their blinds suspiciously. In hindsight, he realised an unmarked grubby van like this, in an area like this, was probably a red flag to the residents. So he folded his newspaper and pulled away. Time seemed to drag for Bill but finally his watch shone 4.57pm. Three minutes to get out, get my gear, and slowly walk up the path, he thought. He checked his watch as he opened the front gate of the red-bricked house. 4.59. They're going to think I'm the most punctual man in history, he smiled to himself as he toyed with the idea of watching the second hand strike the hour to match his first knock on the door. He lifted his hand to knock whilst looking at the watch. Five, four, three, two. The door was already open. Only slightly, but enough to wrong for Bill's knocking attempt. He lowered his arm and took a step back. No, he decided he should knock. Maybe shout hello. Yeah, that's what he'd do. So he took a step forward and... Bill dropped his notebook. Quickly picking it back up, he crept to the doorway. Hello? He said, faintly. The strange screaming continued, 
He listened intently and placed it as a woman. A woman, apparently screaming. Thinking someone may be in trouble, Bill plucked up his courage and knocked heavily, despite the open door. But the screaming continued uninterrupted. That was enough. Bill decided somebody must be in trouble, and he slowly pushed the front door open, revealing a long hallway. The screams were coming from the bottom of this hall, he thought, and so, despite alarm bells ringing in his head, he stepped into the hallway and half shut the door behind him. Bill slowly walked down the hallway as light-footed as he could manage. He noticed that there were additional noises coming from the room, whimpering, frantic breathing. He glanced back at the front door. He should just leave. But what if someone needs help? That would just be a cowardly thing to do. No, no, he needs to check this out. As he approached the doorway, he could see the door was open, with whatever was going on taking place just out of sight behind the door. Thankfully, the door was open just wide enough to peek through. His mouth fell open. There were three adult men on their knees in a circle, heads down with their eyes closed. Behind them, a woman was stood up, slowly circling around them. She was holding an open book in her left hand and appeared to be almost talking in tongues. Once every lap, she would stop, place her right hand on the head of the man she stopped behind, lean in and scream, Leave here! Get out now! Bill has no idea what this is, but he does know he wants nothing to do with it. He takes a step back slowly and glances at the front door. Just as he's about to run for the door, he decides to take one last look back to the room to confirm he wasn't seeing things. He instantly regrets it as the woman who was walking around the kneeled men is now stood perfectly still and glaring at Bill wide-eyed through the crack of the door. Bill froze as she raised her arm and pointed directly at him, never breaking eye contact or even blinking once. Bill had seen enough. Almost like in a nightmare, his feet didn't seem to want to move and it felt like an eternity to get to the front door. In truth, the whole distance from that room to his van probably took less than six seconds, although it felt like a lifetime. He started the engine and roared a few streets away, before pulling the van over by a payphone and composing himself. He got out and gave dispatch a call. He gave the briefest of synopsises to the dispatcher, before giving clear instructions to never be given the house as a job again. The dispatcher, although taken aback, promised she would blacklist the property for future jobs. Bill drove back home for the night, replaying the events in his head, shaking his head as he'd done so. Bill was a rational man, and being a rational man, he soon decided that, well, weirdos will be weirdos and whatever weird business they were up to was absolutely nothing to do with him. 
a few beers and a microwave dinner later, and Bill had finally put the day's nonsense behind him, and he put his feet up on the couch, a fresh beer in his hand, and the TV on. He could feel himself start to relax, finally. This part of his new life, Bill liked the best. The freedom of living alone. No one making weekend plans to see other people. No chores. Nope. If he wanted to just drink and watch TV on a weekend, then so be it. He also knew this would only be this neat whilst it was new. But who cares? It was new right now. New and he... Something in the corner of Bill's vision ran across the floor. Something black. Bill shot up and turned the lights on. He didn't own pets. Maybe it was a rat or something. He would have heard it though. Scratching or whatever, surely. He searched the room thoroughly, going through all the cupboards and units. Nothing. Ah well, he thought. Whatever it was has gone now. That night, Bill was awoken in bed by the feeling of something scurrying across the bottom of the duvet, over his feet. Panicking, he leapt out of bed and hit the lights. God damn, he muttered, as he dropped to his knees to check under the bed. Now convinced he was sharing his home with some cocky rodent, Bill checks the entire room once more. A rat in the living room is one thing, but sharing your bedroom with it is a different story. After a while, though, tiredness overcame him, and he decided to just get back to sleep, and maybe hunt again in the morning. He'd hopefully scared it off anyway. Bill dropped back to a decent sleep, but two hours later, he awoke to his bed shaking violently. Thinking he's woken in the middle of an earthquake, he again jumps out of bed and heads straight for the safety of the doorway. The shaking had stopped by the time he got there, though. He slowly checked around the house for damage. Nothing. Not a single item was out of place. He came back to his bedroom and nudged the heavy oak bed frame with his knee, but it didn't budge. Bill scratched his head. What could move something so heavy, so violently, he thought. It must have been an earthquake. It just must have been. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. 
Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The next morning, he called his brother, Bob. Hey, Bob, did you feel anything last night? Bit of a personal question there, Bill, don't you think? Joked Bob. Ha, <laughs> no, I mean like an earthquake or a tremor or something. No, I slept like a log. Hey, it might have been a plane from the military base going overhead. They have some heavy-duty stuff over there. Bill hadn't even thought of that. Good shout. I think I'll take a look online and see what I can find. And so, Bill ended the call and booted up his computer. He wasn't proud to admit it, but as he sat at the desk, he would occasionally glance over his shoulder. He didn't expect anything to be there, of course, but he was very conscious that he'd had three weird things all happen in the last 12 hours, and he was a bit jittery. The lack of sleep and a huge cup of coffee that he'd just downed probably didn't help matters much. Anyway, let's... Ah, uh, what now? sighed Bill, as the screen showed no internet connection. Great. The lights were on, everything seemed to be doing what it should, but still, no internet connection. Great, Bill muttered as he called to the number on the back of the router. The customer service guy tells Bill he can also see that he's got no connection, and he asks if he can place Bill on hold whilst he does a few checks. Sure, says Bill, and he's placed on hold. Bill pulls up a chair and waits. Slowly, the hold music is interrupted by a rumbling static noise. And within that noise is a voice. A man's voice. He can't make out what's getting said, but it sounds angry. Aggressive, even. It sounds like languages, but none he's ever heard. The voice continues to berate him in an unknown language through the static, and Bill starts to feel fear welling up in his chest. He hangs up the phone and throws it on the table. What the hell? 
he whispers to himself. Thoughts ran around his head. Was this all tied to that woman yesterday? Is this all some big... Bill slowly picked up the phone. Hello? It was the customer service rep he'd just been speaking to, apologising that they'd been disconnected. Bill asked, Say, did you hear anything, like a voice on the line? Expecting a straight no. So Bill was surprised when the rep said quietly, Actually, yeah. It was so weird. That shouldn't actually be possible because we use some serious security on these lines. And even if someone did get through, there's no way you shouldn't have been able to hear my voice. But I was shouting down the line at points and you didn't respond. Did you recognise that language? Bill started panicking even more at this. No, no I didn't. Weird, said the rep. Anyway, you're all set. I can see you've got full internet back now. He said back in his jovial customer service tone. Anything else I can help you with today? No, no thank you, said Bill and hung up. That evening, Bill was ruminating on the recent events, eyes open, staring at the ceiling. Rational. They almost have a rational explanation, he thought. However, whether it was the darkness, the silence, or his own worn-down anxiety, nothing rational came to mind. Instead, each replaying of each event just made the fear in his chest grow larger. So much so, he pulled the covers up over his head. Deep breaths, deep breaths, he said. Then, he got an urge to look further down under the covers towards his right foot. He watched, moved his toes, and then seen a black hand come from under the bed and grab at his foot. He moved it away in the nick of time and bolted to the light switch. Lights on, and holding his breath, he slowly crouched to look under the bed. Nothing. No way, he thought. Not tonight. And he got dressed, made his way through the house turning on all of the lights, and sat in the kitchen drinking coffee until daybreak. That day, being away from the house, he started to feel better. His brain felt like it was now in a rational enough place to address last night's events. It was dark. He was scared. He was clearly overly tired. He thought he'd seen a hand, but he obviously hadn't. He obviously hadn't, right? As the day progressed, the thought of returning to the house spooked him somewhat. So when he arrived, he again made sure all the lights were firmly on in every room before sitting down in front of the TV with his dinner. A sitcom and some tasty fast food later, and he felt at ease. And as the programme finished, he decided to turn over the TV. He looked down and picked up the remote control. Looking back up, a glass water bottle, which was sat on the shelf, flew through the air and skimmed his head before smashing against the back wall. Just as the bottle broke, the lights all went out. Bill shot up and ran for the closet where he kept his torch. As he reached the unit, a loud bang came from inside, like a box of tools had been slammed against the closet doors. He opened them 
grabbed his torch and shone it into the closet, but nothing. The box he assumed had been thrown about sat perfectly where it was. He closed the closet door and the lights came back on. What could he do? Who could he reach out to? The first person that came to mind was Bob, his brother. Yes, he could take the piss, but he would also see how serious Bill was and hopefully help somehow. Bob came over within the hour. Are you okay? You sounded scared to hell on the phone. Bill took a deep breath. You know, I wouldn't say this lightly, Bob, but I think something's in the house. Well, like a rat or a possum? No, like a ghost or something. Bob was taken aback. Bill was the most straight-laced, no-nonsense, rational guy he'd ever known. Like, clinically. This just wasn't something he would say. Ever. And although he didn't show it, that fact scared Bob. Bill explained what just happened. He showed Bob the shards of glass, and he led him over to the closet. And wherever it was was in here, too. Bob toyed with the door, opening and closing it. So, do you want me to go in there, prove there isn't a ghostie? Bob smiled. Well, yeah, actually, I do, said Bill. So Bob walked into the closet and closed the door. Turn the light off too, shouted Bill. Ooh, real spooky, replied Bob, turning the lights off. Immediately, something hit Bob's leg. Must be something fallen, he said to himself. Then something bounced off his head. The quick succession of hits unsettled Bob, and he quickly exited the closet. He spun around to see what should now be on the floor after falling on him. But there was nothing there. So? asked Bill. Now although Bob was scared, he didn't want to see his brother slip further into the state he was already in. And so, Bob decided to keep his experience to himself. Besides, it may well have just been things falling and then bouncing out of eyesight. So, you need to tidy your closet and calm down some. There ain't no ghosties here, brother. He smiled and patted him on the arm. Now what? thought Bill. He only knew one other person well enough to tell them what's been going on an old friend called Michael from school, who was now working as a sound engineer. So Bill calls Mike, and he isn't too sure how to approach the subject. Hi Mike, so I I need your advice, he began. Well, I've, I've been having some weird things happen, and in all honesty I'm not too sure where to go. Mike was a bit dumbfounded. Well, um... What type of things? So, Bill starts regaling Mike with the happenings he's experienced. But as he does so, both men hear a static start to come on the line. And then a voice. The same voice Bill heard when talking to the customer service rep. Mike, don't listen to it. I don't know what it is, but please don't listen to it. However, Mike, on the other end, can't hear anything but the static and the voice. Mike quickly realises he's got a handheld dictaphone close by, 
and decides to try and capture the voice. He's never heard anything like it before. So he grabs the dictaphone and places it against the earpiece. He moves his ear closer and can still hear the static. He checks the screen and sees the sound waves are showing clearly. He's got it. Suddenly, he hears Bill's voice shouting down the line. Mike? Mike? Mike grabbed the handset. Bill, what the hell was that voice? I don't know, Mike. I was trying to tell you not to listen. It's evil. I've heard it before, replied Bill. Well, I didn't hear anything but static. However, I caught it, Bill. Listen. Mike rewound the dictaphone and hit play. Silence. I've definitely recorded it, Bill. Hang on. He forwarded a few seconds and hit play. Again, silence. But then, a voice. It was Bill's voice. Mike, don't listen to it. I don't know what it is, but please don't listen to it. I've, I've no idea how that can happen, said Mike. Right now, Bill is officially terrified. The next day, Bill, just to ensure he's not alone, invites his brother Bob and his wife Cindy over for dinner. The evening's going well and for a small while, Bill forgets everything that's going on. The bed shaking, the demonic voices, the attempted physical assaults. He gets embroiled in conversation and for the first time in a long time, starts to relax. After the meal, they retire to the living room to enjoy some drinks and watch TV. I hate this show, said Cindy. There's always some rookie cop being shown the ropes, and he always ends up... Bill jumped up from his chair and ran to the doorway, eyes wide open. Cindy gave an involuntary shriek and moved her feet up onto Bob's legs. Bob pushed Cindy's legs away and walked over to Bill. What the hell, man? asked Bob. Okay, you know when I said I saw something out of the corner of my eye when this all started? Well, I've just seen it again, said Bill, pointing to the unlit room adjacent. What was it like? asked Bob. I can't really describe it. Here, you sit in that chair. The one that I was just in. You just sit watching TV and see if it happens again. Well, okay. But again, just calm down, said Bob, taking Bill's seat. Bill sat next to Cindy and they unmuted the TV. Five minutes later, Bob jumped up. What the hell was that? He shouted, pointing at the same place Bill had five minutes before. What did you see? Asked Bill. I I don't know. Kind of a small animal, but it was on two feet. Bob was shook up. Cindy, however, now wanted to see what all the commotion was about, so she takes Bob's place. Once again, five minutes later, she screams and claims she's also seen a black small thing on two legs running through the darkened room. The three of them turned on all the lights and turned the place upside down. Of course, as usual, their search returns nothing. Bob, now for the first time, shows genuine concern for his brother. He offers for Bill to stay over with him and Cindy for the night. However, Bill, at least now, had one answer. He wasn't going crazy. His experiences had been validated. And for the first time, he felt a pang of anger 
at whatever it was that had decided to try and take over his life. No thanks, brother. This is my house. If it keeps happening, I can't keep running away. I'm going to look into it some more and see what can be done. Bob repeated that whenever he wanted to, Bill could come and stay in their spare room, and he and Cindy left. Bill, rational, straight-laced, NASA-working Bill, was now doing something that two months ago he would never have believed. He was searching the internet for local paranormal research groups. He talked himself into it by stating to himself this was no different to having a leak and calling a plumber. He was no expert in this field at all, but at least these people claimed to be. He called a number and spoke to a Brian Hall. Brian approached all of his investigations scientifically and methodically, and he and Bill hit it off straight away. So much so that Brian agreed to gather a team straight away and head over that very night. Brian was a no-nonsense Texan, and on arrival, rather bluntly said to Bill, Chances are there ain't nothing here. It's always just a bad AC unit, or critters of some kind, wood expanding, that sort of thing. So we'd like to rule all of that out first. Bill liked this rational approach, and told Brian and his team that they had the full run of the house. All of Brian's baseline tests came back fine. None of the usual suspects, at first glance, seemed to be a fault for whatever Bill was experiencing, and so they started setting up their equipment. In the bedroom where a lot of activity took place, they set up infrared lasers across the room, allowing any movement to be caught. Hours passed with nothing taking place. So Brian suggested one of his team goes up to the bedroom and start asking some questions out loud. And so Sean, one of his team, volunteers. He walks into the pitch black room filled with infrared lasers that only were visible on camera. Sean starts asking some questions. If you're here, do something. Suddenly, one of the lasers drops to the floor. On hearing this, Sean runs downstairs. Something's fell, something's fell. He shouts to Brian, who jumps onto the monitor playback system. As they watch, just as Sean asks his question a black mist starts forming within the lasers. None of this is seen by Sean at the time. They re-watch this image swirling over and over again, gobsmacked. Hey, wait a minute, said Brian. There's sound on here too, he says, and hires the volume on the playback. Just as the mist forms, they all hear, Put him back, he's coming. Brian and his team are astounded with what they've caught and decide to call it a night and try and grab at least a few hours sleep before the next day. Just like Bob did before, they also offer Bill a place to stay, but Bill stubbornly sticks to his guns and reiterates he will not be forced from his home. A move he would regret a short time later. Bill retires to bed, leaving the lights on, and playing music to both distract from any external noises and hopefully hypnotise him to sleep. He lies down in the fetal position and tries to think positive...
Something must have just crashed into the side of the house. The whole house shook. He was convinced a car or even a truck had slammed into the front of his house. He bolted out of bed and ran outside. Nothing. No neighbour's lights on, no smashed car, just a quiet street at 3am. He comes back inside, fully alert. He closes the front door. He cowered in the hall. That came from the living room. He runs in and again finds nothing. Not a thing out of place. He slumps down into a chair and puts his head in his hands. Through the silence, his car alarm starts going off. For the battered and drained Bill, this simple alarm was the final straw. All the pent-up anxiety and fear catalyzed into anger. He stood up, clenched his fists and screamed, Come on, show yourself! This time the noise came from his bedroom, but this time Bill was ready to go after whatever this was, and he charged up the stairs and burst into the bedroom. Nothing again. The noise repeated louder and louder and Bill shouted for it to stop. And it did. Bill stood, frozen, waiting for the next event. But it didn't come. As if to prove a point that he was master of his own home, he undressed, even though he was shaking, and he got into bed. However, the adrenaline started to leave him now. And with his blanket up to his chin, fear gripped him once more. What if he just angered it? Why has he just angered it and then got into the most vulnerable position he could be in? In the silence, he heard what sounded like feet shuffling under his bed. Starting just under his head and shuffling down to his feet. Frozen, he held his breath and looked at the end of the bed. Slowly, a black figure started rising at the foot of his bed. It was at least six feet tall with wide shoulders. Even though the room was lit brightly, it seemed to absorb all known light. Except for it being vaguely human-shaped, Bill couldn't make out any features except for one long tooth from what he presumed would be its mouth. It tilted its head and slowly walked with a heavy, juddering motion, like a giant marionette towards Bill. It leant into Bill's face, inches away, and grunted, and then disappeared. Unbelievably, things went downhill for Bill from there, and the figure would terrorise him, showing up to continually taunt him. Bill would wake up covered in deep scratches that he couldn't explain. So much so that the local hospital would send welfare people to his house to ensure none of this was self-inflicted. His brother would attempt interventions to get Bill out of the house, but Bill would always choose to stay. Most stories like this have a definitive end point, and you're probably expecting me to say he moved out or a priest came in to have some apocalyptic battle to cleanse the house. But no. Bill still lives at the house. He says it wouldn't be right to pass the house on knowing what he knows. 
Bill has, however, researched into demons and demonology. And he's now of the belief that that woman who asked for someone to come to her home to look at her water system at exactly 5pm was in fact carrying out an exorcism. An exorcism which required a new host for the demon or demons that she was removing from the three men and fully aware that at 5pm she would be at the exact point of the ritual to transfer those spirits into whichever unfortunate soul happened to answer a simple call to check someone's water supply. The most terrifying point of this entire story for me is just how innocuous it was for Bill to go to someone's house and carry out his job. It goes to show that no matter what you're doing, be it in the middle of the day, be it at 5pm exactly, no matter what you're doing in your job, in your personal life, out and about with friends, evil has a way of getting to you. You're literally not safe anywhere. And on that not-too-jovial note, we'll leave it here for this week. Thank you for downloading and spending this time with me. And remember, when you're discussing this topic with friends or family, make sure that you leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time on The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.